Good morning, America. This is The Daily Answer and your host, Mark Dunnigan. I believe it was a warm summer day when the following happened. I was sick. Sick where you have a high fever. And the house down the street caught fire. And and flames were leaping up from the house and going up through the oak trees that surrounded the house. And I believe there were multiple fire engines that were called. And that event changed something inside of me. When I was a little boy, I would not take a nap. Mom would try to put me down sometimes on the same bed with her because she was just exhausted (laughs) uh, of caring for me. And by the time I was four, I had a little brand new baby brother. I would lie there, watch her nod off. And then as quietly as a four-year-old can move, kind of move off the bed, you know, kind of doing the stealth thing. I would slide off. I would tiptoe to the door. I would quietly shut the door. But in my little brain, I thought that once that bedroom door was shut, I could make kind of as much noise after that. And so that door would click. And then I would run, pounding my feet down the hallway, out through the screen door that went to the backyard and just, you know, let that screen door bang. And finally, my mom reached a point that she said, yeah, I, I don't care what happens to Mark. <laughs> you know, by four or five, I'm on my own roaming the neighborhood. One time a neighbor called mom and said, hey, Mark has just been here trick-or-treating. The only problem was that it wasn't Halloween, but I did get some lemon drops. Years later, my mom told me, that the reason that her and my dad had stayed married all those years, and by this time, my dad has passed away, they agreed whoever leaves the marriage has to take Mark with them. So no one left. You know, getting involved with another man or woman or some new flame doesn't look like a lot of fun if Mark comes with the deal. Well, after the fever and the fire, I suddenly developed an intense fear, not only of fires, but more particularly, the sirens that signaled a fire in town. Now, there was one major problem with that in the little small town in which I grew up. In Silverton, Oregon, they blew the same siren that was used to signal the volunteer fire department to get to the firehouse ASAP. They blew that every day at noon and that was simply called the noon the noon whistle and at at noon they blew that well so mom knew that once that siren went off no matter where i was in the neighborhood in like less than a minute maybe 30 seconds i would come running through the side door and find safety on the family room sofa Now, of course, that created some interesting neighborhood dialogue or gossip. Family can't just hide the fact that at every noon whistle, an actual fire siren, their middle boy would be running, not jogging, but running like your life depends on it, running like a madman through their backyards. A neighborhood I grew up in had basically no fences. 
Now, there may have been a section maybe of a little bit of a hedge or maybe some rhododendrons that kind of separate the yards a little bit. But basically, you could run pretty much all the way, um, the entire distance of the neighborhood through the backyards. They were just kind of open like that. And so here I would jump in bushes, jump in hedges, dodging what was ever in the way, just like running like a grizzly bear is chasing me. Um, every time, every time that Simon ran off. And of course, you can't hide that from the kids in the neighborhood, right? The other kids. Why does Mark suddenly stop playing with us? Simply drops whatever he is holding, exits to pick up basketball or football game, and runs for his life. I mean, just doesn't even say, hey, I'm going to the house or I'm going to grab a bite to eat. Just whatever I had, I dropped it and then turned around and ran like, like something was chasing me out of the abyss. And I think maybe mom found it, well, certainly she found it convenient and maybe a little bit humorous because there was no need to call me for lunch anymore. No more arguing with me about, hey, you need to stop playing for a second. You need to stop building your fort. You need to stop that football game and come in and have something to eat. Like clockwork, man, between 12.01, before 12.01 showed up, I would be there and never late. Now, this must have created some interesting conversations at in, in around the dinner tables or family rooms or bedrooms of the neighbors. Marge, there goes that half-wit Dunnigan kid again, running like a grizzly bear is chasing him. I mean, you just, you know, you can't hide something like that. So during all this, the neighbor at the end of the street, Billy, invited me to spend the night. He had a little fort. It was more of a doghouse. Actually, I think it had been a doghouse. Now, they had painted it the same color as the real house, but it had been a doghouse. But, but I guess it was clean, in which we were both going to sleep. Now, the idea might have been more of, as I look back, I think there were some parental negotiations going on behind the scenes, as there often are. Leading up to this, Billy and I had not been on the best terms. And, and let me explain that. <laughs> a lot of that was my fault. Of course, I'd hit him on the head with a hammer when I fired him from working on my uh, uh, fort. But, I mean, Billy was an amazing carpenter. At, at like six years old, he could build real stairs, real stairs, real steps. But maybe he was moving too slow for me. I mean, he was measuring everything twice. He was doing it right. And so Billy, I, I think years later, Billy took apart an army Jeep right down to the last nut and bolt and put it back together. And it was as if it came off new, you know, from the factory line in 1943 or whatever. I mean, he was just an amazing kid early on as far as mechanical skills were concerned. Now, I'd also hit him in the face with a golf club, but... Uh, that was not entirely my fault, or I might say that was not on purpose. Uh, I was I was swinging it. I was not, I think Billy was kind of bending in, watching me. He got too close. I didn't see where he was at. And I, you know, the club went back and hit him in the face. 
And so I think the parents were trying to bring us together. Now, before this particular sleepover, Billy's dad had given me a long lecture about the need to stay put in the doghouse during the night. And, you know, we need more men like that today. I, I, I really feel I benefited from growing up in a time when parents, when parents were not afraid to talk to not only their own kids, but other kids about real life. And he, you know, I think he reminded me of how I ran at every fire siren. And he wanted to ensure that if a siren went off in the night and he was on the volunteer fire department, uh, I would not I would not start trying to run home in the pitch dark at night. So he kept saying, are you sure you won't get afraid? In addition, I don't think he suddenly wanted me to start pounding on their door in the middle of the night and, you know, wake up him and his wife because I was scared. So the message was, you're a kid with problems. You aren't going to be a problem, are you? And you know what? I'm grateful for that speech. Sometimes you need to hear, hey, you're being a problem. I think I really took that speech to heart for I was tired of running. I think Billy's dad was trying to be a friend or maybe a mentor. He was honest enough to address the element in the elephant in the room or the elephant in the doghouse. Mark, your fears are getting the best of you and everyone can see it. Will they get the best of you tonight? And equally, and I really appreciate this idea. What's affecting you is not just affecting you, it's affecting other people. That is, your problem is not just your problem. Your problem is suddenly becoming everyone else's problem. That is, if the siren goes off tonight, and if you start banging on our door now, that's our problem. Boy, th that is a great life lesson. I mean, so many people will say something like, well, I'm only hurting myself. I don't know if I can think of a single instance where you only hurt yourself. There's always people in the pot with you. You're always hurting others. Man, do I get so tired of seeing men and women who leave their faithful mates, hardworking faithful mates, arguing, well, God would not want me to be unhappy, and I'm only hurting myself, and everyone else is hurting, okay? Everyone else is in tears. Everyone else can't sleep at night. Everyone else is offering fervent prayers to God. Everyone else is incredibly unhappy, but God would not want them to be unhappy. Uh, how self-centered. Thus, that night in the doghouse became a kind of a Joshua 24, 15 passage or moment. Choose this day. I really, I really appreciate the idea of choose this day. I think we live in a culture that right now doesn't believe that you have the power to actually make a kind of make a final decision right now about something. You know, like, oh, it's going to take you years and years and years of whatever to get over that, to conquer that. And I really love the Bible. I really love the Bible is, hey, you can change your life like right now, this hour, this second. 
fact, Jesus, when he told the woman in John 8, caught in adultery, sin, go and sin no more, he was saying, from now on, make this decision. From now on, let this be your choice. I really like what Paul says to the Christians in Rome. Consider yourselves to be dead in the sin, but alive in the God in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Make that decision. Make that decision now. Or James, count it all joy when you encounter various trials. D determine the view trials that way right now, not 10 years from now. That's not going to help you. Not 20 years from now. And so that's why I'm not a big fan of our modern sort of societal way that we try to fix things. Uh, well, maybe 20 years from now, you will get better. Uh, that doesn't help me any. That doesn't help me now at all. I don't have 20 years. I don't have 20 years to get better. I need to get better right now because I have kids, I have a wife, I have other people depending on me, etc. Well, the night came and all I remember was going to sleep. And suddenly Billy's dad was there in the middle of the night waking me up. Billy had fled. Billy's dad explained somewhat apologetically that Billy was the one who became scared and had come, in, and come inside the house at some point and, and woken them up. And they had prepared a place for me to sleep inside the house. And that next morning we had breakfast. Now, I'm not sure if my memory is correct on this point, And I think that's a healthy thing. Um, our memories are not 100% correct. And I think it's be very, very careful about mm, letting your memory be the final authority. Let God be the final authority, not your memory, because often your memory is not correct. But it could be that from that point on, when the fire siren blew, when they cut loose the noon whistle, I never ran again. Now, was I nervous about that sleepover? Absolutely. But sometimes you just have to look whatever scares you, and you have to look at it in the face and that's how you master it a sleepover might seem like a very insignificant event but i have learned that often big victories are won in what looks like small moments so never underestimate pushing through at the moment not giving up and doing what feels like the hardest and scariest thing for you to do in addition I believe most people at such moments at least think something like, hey, if I can't even make it through the night, how am I ever going to handle anything else in life? I mean, that, that's a great learning moment. Sometimes if you're up against something that scares you, you just need to come to terms with the fact, hey, this is not the biggest thing I'm ever going to have to face in life. And if I can't push through this, if I can't handle this, man, I'm going to be pretty pitiful. If I can't do that, what can I do, right? And you just kind of need to man up or woman up and say, hey, uh, I need to, and it could be simple as I need to get up. And uh, I remember at the YWCA, it's at the end of swimming lessons, you had to jump off the 12-foot diamond board. Was it enjoyable? No. But I know something in my little head said, uh, if you can't do this, what can you do? That mark, it gets scarier than this. And so, yeah, right now you can refuse to jump off the 12-foot diamond board, but you're not going to be able to handle much else in life if right now you cave. 
It was the same thing at fifth grade outdoor education. Yes, I could, I could cry and get on the phone and tell mom and dad to come and get me. But what am I going to do on the next challenge? That is successfully completing the challenge today prepares me to handle what's coming down the pike tomorrow. And what's coming down the pike tomorrow is going to be more challenging. So young people especially, don't quit. Don't start the practice of quitting and hiding and, ooh, that's scary. So because then you end up just staying in your room the rest of your life and being kind of a wreck the rest of your life. Yeah. Choose this day. Look at what scares you. Look at it in the face. Do it. Push through. I'm thankful to mom and dad that they did not immediately put me on any sort of medication for my noon whistle runs um, or take me to a therapist. Now, yeah, there are times that people need that. But what I really needed was a simple sleepover in a doghouse. That's what I needed that night. This is Mark Dunnigan for The Daily Answer. Until next time, we'll see you in the funny papers.